Friends, fans, and warriors, we are excited to let you know that Fearless Features movies are now available for rent or purchase on Salem Now. Our two completed titles, Inwood Drive and The Mind Polluters, are both available on demand. Salem Now is dedicated exclusively to conservative and faith-based content and can be found on mobile apps and streaming services such as Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick, and select smart TVs. Click the link in the show notes to see each film or visit SalemNow.com in the recently added section to watch either Inwood Drive or The Mind Polluters. Be sure to share with your family and friends as this is another way you can help support Fearless Features and the creation of more films like these that are making an impact around the world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we discuss the hot topics of the day as it relates to faith, family, and freedom from a biblical perspective. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. Oh, I love it even more. <laughs> if you find this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and share this show to help us reach more people with this critical information to make parents aware and help them protect their families. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. So, my husband. Mm-hmm. Yes, dear. My love. Yes, dear. Um, I am glad to be wrapping up the weaponization of CPS. We thought we wrapped it up last week. We thought we did. And you guys, you guys. So recently here at church, our pastor's been talking about how um, God orchestrates events. And incidentally, uh, we can clearly see how the Lord is still orchestrating events, even as we continue on with our current assignment of our new documentary film, Dysphoria. You're everyone's problem. I know. (laughs) So over the past seven weeks or so, we've shared multiple stories as it coincides with the weaponization of CPS. And now we are finally going to wrap this up, like for real, for reals. Mm -hmm. We're wrapping up this session. What you're not going to do is keep doing this series. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Dry bar comedy. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Um, So anyway, so we reached out to a mom in Colorado who has experienced tremendous hell on earth because of this gender ideology and then, you know, CPS almost getting involved in her story. But when you guys hear this, it's, it's just horrific. It's going to just freak you out. Um, and sadly, it's not an isolated incident. Uh, so what were your thoughts? So this is Erin Lee of Colorado. Yes. yes. Um, her 12-year-old daughter who became confused. You're going to hear her story. I'm just going to briefly share. Mm-hmm. Became confused at an art club meeting. Yes. Okay. So, so now we, there's many different ways that, that this ideology is infiltrating your child's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything you want to add? Uh, yeah. So this is how uh, independent filmmaking especially goes. So we were, we have been cruising right along with um, getting pretty far along in the process of dysphoria, doing Mm -hmm. the editing. Which is all about the transgender movement. And if you are subscribed to our newsletter, you will have seen that last month we were actually able to watch the base cut mm-hmm. uh, come together and kind of see where the story is and where it's going. Right. That doesn't mean it's going to be done tomorrow or no, anything. No, And And the base cut is subject to change. <laughs> right. And so uh, one of the stories that one of the other cast members shared mm-hmm. is 
so every time you put something in where someone is telling a story, right, then you want, there's a couple of things to factor in. Number one, as, uh, as researchers, we want to make sure that we have researched and can back up everything that they're saying. Mm -hmm. Big part of that is just knowing who to pick for your interviews, right? right. So mm -hmm. people that you're talking to, you don't worry about it. Right. Um, but still, uh, then from an editorial standpoint, you want to be able to cut away to things to be able to show people. Context. Yeah, context as they're talking about it. And so as this story is being told, and I, so I had paused and I went, okay, let's go back and find supporting material for this. And so I found, so it's Alex Newman was talking about Aaron's story because he had interviewed her and done a couple articles. And so I went and I found his um, interview that he did uh, for The New American. Mm -hmm. And I think he also wrote about it in the Epoch Times. Yeah, there's there's two. And we're going to leave links to all these articles right. in the show notes for you guys so you can go and look at it yourself. Right. So I started reading this and then I started listening to his uh, interview with her. And his, his interview for The New American... Um, I think it's the series he does called Conversations That Matter. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, and it was, you know, well done as always, but, but brief, you know, it's mm -hmm. 15, 16 minutes. And so then um, we reached out to Aaron. But, but behind the scenes, funny thing is, you, you were watching this mm -hmm. and you said, oh, hey, I want to talk to her. And, oh, yeah. I, and I said, oh, she left a comment mm -hmm. on our Mind Polluters Facebook page. Right. And, and I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, there, we get a lot of comments, you know, right. so I, I don't really, I don't too often think of that it, it matters. But right. again, the Lord orchestrating events. Right. So for me, it was just, okay, I'm at this spot in the film. I've, I've read this. I've watched this. I'd like to talk to her. Maybe we can talk to her on the podcast. Yeah. And so uh, I reached out to her, set it up. You interviewed her mm -hmm. and you got done and your head was spinning. Oh, I immediately <laughs> knew. I, it, I was so in my core. You know, when we do interviews, you know, admittedly so, I sit down and I pray before everyone because mm -hmm. you, you never know what you're going to get. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. I mean, instantaneously, as soon as the podcast was done and I just and I looked at Mark and I, I kept telling you, I was like, literally, I feel like she needs to be in the film like she needs we this story especially needs to be in the film. It goes right along with um, January Littlejohn's story and Jeff Younger's story. And just to show people, mm -hmm. this is everywhere, you guys. And it's it's happening in so many various ways mm -hmm. that, that can your family's being attacked. I mean, stand firm. Yeah. Uh, oh. So then I got the, the audio and I started working on it to, you know, to. Uh, put it into the podcast that you're about to listen to. And then as I'm listening to it <laughs> and I'm hearing the rest of her story that I hadn't heard. Mm -hmm. And I, the whole time I'm just thinking, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. And so we yeah, prayed on it. So we prayed about it and we, and so, you know, when you're doing films and you talk about, uh, you know, well, what are the risk factors when you're doing stuff like this? Well, this is a risk factor, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're at a point where you're, you're cruising along to having it done and we need a product <laughs> to be finished, right? Right. right. <laughs> People understand that. Uh, delay. 
<laughs> right. Uh, because this really needs to. So now we really have to put this in. And it I, changes. So now you, you're kind of pausing and going back and going, okay. So now we've got to rework a few things. Yes. But well, this is and, so important. And I, You'll understand when you hear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After you hear it, you're, you're definitely. And you guys are going to hear the full thing. Um, so we're not going to leave anything out. But I think it's one of those things of this is why we so enjoy being independent and just constantly in prayer to the Lord of, of where we're going mm -hmm. and what he wants told, not what Mark and Amber want told, but I just, it's like, you know, in your spirit and in your heart that, oh my goodness, the Lord has something to say. Mm -hmm. And, and this was definitely one of those moments. And so we reached back out to Aaron and, um, she agreed to be in dysphoria. Mm -hmm. So we are going to bring her here to Indiana. If you guys would like to help us <laughs> bring her here to Indiana, um, you can go to our ministry website to help support this effort at fearlessfeatures.org forward slash give, or you can text the word fearless to 80888. And after you listen to her story, you're going to understand why. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is so important. And every little bit helps us get to the end goal of having a finished product and getting this out for so many people to be made aware of what's happening so that they too can protect their families and be educated on what is really happening. Cause a lot of us, a lot of people aren't paying attention. Right. So this is a longer podcast because I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure how to split this into two. It's, it's too compelling. Yeah. And you really don't want to, I mean, we're trying to wrap it up. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to let you listen through to all of this and then we'll talk a little bit at the end, but by the time you're done, you're going to be, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you in a little bit then. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, you guys, we have a special guest today, Aaron Lee, and Mark and I have just wrapped up a seven-part series on the weaponization of CPS, and our good friend, Alex Newman, who is in the Mind Polluters, uh, interviewed Aaron recently about her story of what happened with their child at school. First of all, Aaron, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us and taking time out of your day. Um, can you just... Just start from the beginning and help people understand um, what happened to your family. Yeah. So May of 2021, we had just moved to a new town, a suburb outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. It was the height of COVID protocol. Our kids were distanced, masked, mostly remote learning. If they were in person, it was only two days a week. And our little girl had just turned 12. She is a very shy, introverted, very artistic little girl. And we sent her off to school like any regular Tuesday. It was May 4th, 2021, and her trusted art and homeroom teacher asked her to stay after school for art club that day. So she texted us and we gave our permission for her to stay. When she got there, she learned that it was actually Gender and Sexuality Awareness Club, or GSA. And she truly wanted to make connections with kids her age. She had not made any connections due to all of this COVID protocol and being new to school and being shy. And um, the art teacher had invited in an outside presenter to this particular GSA club that my daughter thought was an art club. And this woman runs an organization in our community for kids five to 11 called Skittles to discuss gender and sexuality and kids 12 plus called Splash. She started with her, with her number one rule, what you hear in here, keep in here. 
She used flags to describe different umbrella terms, or she called them defining words, including telling the kids, if you are not 100% comfortable in your biological sex, that means you're transgender. And when my daughter, of course, associated with that definition, because she is a newly 12-year-old girl who's just started puberty and has no social connection, she adopted that label in that moment. And the woman gave her the flags and stickers and bracelets and what she called the obligatory toys kids love to collect everywhere they go. Um, she told the kids that queer is a term to use while you're still figuring out your sexuality. So when my daughter didn't know who she was sexually attracted to, again, because she's 12, um, she was told that she's queer and given all the corresponding swag to go along with that. This woman also talked about polyamory, which I had to Google. I didn't even know what that was, but my 12 year old daughter did. Um, she talked extensively about suicide, including telling the kids that these new labels, like my daughter's new trans and queer label, make them more likely to kill themselves. Um, and she even went into detail about how kids have committed suicide. She told them families might not be safe. She told them they don't have to tell their parents where they are, not just for this meeting, but for all the other ones she holds in our community, in our libraries, in our boys and girls clubs, at local restaurants. Um, and she invited the kids to connect with her on Discord and WhatsApp to friend her and agree to her rules. These teen chat platforms where she knows parents are not monitoring the conversation. Um, and she listed dozens of names for the kids to call the club so that they didn't have to tell their parents what it actually was. And as my daughter left the room that day, after about an hour and a half of this indoctrination, the club ran long, the art teacher pulled her aside and said, remember, you don't have to tell your parents. So we were and quite we, caught off guard when we picked her up. Let's put it that and, way. And, th and that's exactly what I was just going to ask. And so it's not like your daughter was coming to you and asking you questions about her sexuality or, I mean, Explain Never. sort of your your home dynamic just for a moment so that people can get a clear picture, because we try to tell people all the time, if people have seen the mind polluters, you know that this is happening all across the country. This is not an isolated incident. And especially through these clubs, they're targeting really the most vulnerable kids. Yeah. Oh, hands down. And it's all 11 to 13 year old, incredibly vulnerable little girls, most of them on the autism spectrum that have been sucked into this here locally. But we I will admit prior to this, we were a pretty, you know, self-proclaimed progressive family. We were apolitical. We weren't as involved as we should be, as aware as we should be. We were overly trusting, overly naive that the public schools were taking care of our children, you know, caring for them the same way we would at home. But we are, you know, an incredibly open, loving family. And we we talk about things very openly with our child. And our daughter had never, ever wanted to talk about her gender and sexuality. She had never expressed any kind of gender confusion in any way. She was always a very girly girl, loved pink. Actually, when she was three years old, she begged us to paint her room bubblegum pink. Um, you know, loved My Little Ponies and Barbies and, and all the girl things. And she had never expressed gender confusion in any way until this day. So it, it was such a shock for our family. And when she came home that night, we didn't know what to do. We were totally ill-equipped to support her because we were intentionally left in the dark. And so we, we kind of ignored it. We said, I, you know, I don't know what to do with this confusion. 
maybe it's just a phase. And, and we also thought maybe we were misunderstanding what she was telling us. Like, there's no way that she, that what happened, what she says happened actually happened to her in mm-hmm. our club. It just, we were in total shock and disbelief. And so as we started to contact the appropriate people and somehow we remained calm enough to not fly off the handle. We, my husband, good for you, that's a good approach. <laughs> he's very calm. He's my, it's truly my other half that, that keeps me grounded. Um, so, he was the first person to make contact. He called the principal and the principal confirmed that, yes, this is a confidential meeting because we as a public school have to provide a safe space for children. So they intentionally don't tell parents. They intentionally do not take attendance. So there's no record of what kids are in the room while they're doing these things. Um, We contacted the woman who had given her personal information to our child and her response is where I actually found out most of what happened. It's like she doubled down on all of it. She was proud of it. Um, It was it was absolutely delusional. And it just, it was at that moment that I looked at my husband and said, I'm going to burn it all down. And he said, yeah, I'm going to get the gasoline. And, and we kind of have been fighting back ever since not, not with any success in the two years since this has happened, but we continue to speak out and fight back. Yeah. So why, why do you think that is when you say with, with no success, really, what can you define for me, what success looks like actually for, for your family? Yeah, well, any accountability from the people Mm -hmm. involved, any accountability at all. I mean, I stood before the school board and cried and sent them all letters. And it took three months of me following up and up and up until one of them finally reached out. And when we had a sit down, it turns out this woman is best friends with the, the abuser who was in the classroom that day. She volunteers with the Skittles organization. She condones the statistic that 47% of kids in our county are LGBT. Um, she condones telling kids at all ages, starting in pre-K, that there are infinite genders, that gender and sexuality are on a spectrum. I mean, it became clear at that point that we are just a small piece of a much larger agenda. And we weren't supposed to find out that this happened. And through right. the public record request, which Alex wrote an article about the um, the emails that I identified they, this was all intentional. They did not want us to find out. They referred to parents who find out about these clubs as barriers that have been removed. They said, anything I say to them should be thought of as evidence. They said, I had no right to know what my child was doing. And that if I try to attempt to remove her from clubs, I should be informed that I don't have the option to do that. Um, So they just, this was intentional and I wasn't supposed to find out about it. My daughter broke the rules. Thank God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So interesting. So, so what happens next? Your daughter comes home, you try to reason basically with the school and figure out what's happening. Step us through next steps. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll take it a step back to what happened within our family, because this confusion, even though it was only an hour and a half meeting, it hit her deep and she adopted that transgender label. And of course us ignoring it instead of addressing it head on made it worse. I know that now in hindsight that, you know, we should have been blunt from the very beginning about what happened to her, but we let her sit and fester in it. And about Mm -hmm. six weeks later, we saw a severe mental health decline. I mean, she was a happy go lucky jovial kid until six weeks 
weeks after this art club, she wasn't. And so we took her to a therapist and the first one we found was queer and trans affirming. So we stopped that immediately. We found another counselor who was Christian, was a Christian counselor um, and we're Christian. So that made sense for our family. And um, we found out that there's a law in Colorado in 2019, our governor passed bill 1129, which made conversion therapy illegal in the state of Colorado. So if you take a child for children specifically, so if you take a child to a therapist with gender confusion, if they are licensed in any way, they are obligated to only affirm they cannot question gender confusion or they will lose their license. So this Christian counselor avoided the subject is what we think happened. She she knew she couldn't address it. And that was the issue with our daughter. So she avoided it. And that just made it even worse. And so our daughter spiraled. I mean, it was like our happy kid, May of 2021, come December of 2021, she wrote us a suicide note. She she left me a suicide note on my bed that said this, it all happened that day of art club. I'm confused. I'm scared. I need help. This is serious. Please take it seriously. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live in this body God gave me. I'm uncomfortable. I'm confused. And so we did what any rational parent would do. We took her to her pediatrician, knowing that therapy did not work. And she had asked to stop therapy. She knew it was making her worse. Mm -hmm. And so we took her to our trusted pediatrician of over five years. And they had me leave the room for the mental health assessment. And when I came back, they had already prescribed her Zoloft. Um, yeah. And we, we were sold the same line that all parents going through this are sold. Do you want a dead daughter or a living son? Do you want a dead child or a living child who's on psychotropics? This is to save her life. You have to go along with it. Do you want her to die? And of course we don't. I was desperate. I mean, once your child writes you a suicide note, you don't come back from that. Not a day goes by even now that she's completely desisted and gotten better with her mental health. Not a day goes by that I don't go into her room first thing in the morning and make sure she's breathing. It's terrifying. And, and I can share that she's better now. I mean, it's, it's been a long, hard, scary, dark road. The psychotropics did not help her. They just physically hurt her. It wasn't until we were really direct and sat her down at the kitchen table one day and found some messages that she had on Microsoft Teams through the school district. She was chatting with friends and they were you know affirming her, you're a boy, you're a boy, your parents don't understand you. And we found these messages on her school laptop and sat her down and said, is this true? Is this how you feel? Are you a boy? Is your name really Toby? Do you really hate us and think that we don't support you? And she bawled. I mean, she lost it and said, I don't, I'm not a boy. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm a girl. I want this to stop. Please help me. And and that was the turning point for us was when we were just direct and tackled it head on finally a year later. This is, this is just horrific, Erin. Like I didn't know the backstory of your story and i'm sitting here as a mom and realizing and and for anyone listening just how quickly our impressionable young children's minds are when we don't think you know we talk there's there's so much stuff especially you know we're inundated with this all day long because of what we do and so there's a part of us uh, mark and i you know, personally and within our family, we know what's already out there. But for unsuspecting parents who have no idea, this has snowballed into something you will live with the rest of your life and you will remember it. You may get over it and your family, God willing, 
I pray that, that you come out so much stronger together as a family, but the harm that's being done to children and families, completely trying to separate families is just horrific. What do you say to parents? What do you say to parents today? And, and I'm, and I'm sad for you that you're not having any, any luck or success where you are. What do you think the barrier is? Well, and it, it's the opposite of success that I'm having here. So we being me and my husband being rational and careful and wanted to approach it the right way. We spent about a year trying to push back on the school district privately. We thought, mm -hmm. okay, we, we don't, we don't want to blow this up. We want to handle it. We just want to protect other kids from having this happen to them. And we pulled Absolutely. our daughter out immediately for the record. She did not go back to public school the next day or ever again. She's in a private Christian school now where she's thriving, but they've done the opposite. They, they fed us false promises and fake empathy and just trying to gaslight us. But now that I've gone public, they attack me daily in the media. They put out news articles calling me a liar. They, um, you know, they, they bring Antifa to the school board to protest me when I am signed up to speak. It just, it, I've been vilified and attacked just for telling the truth about what they did to try to protect other kids and save other families. Um, but so the barrier is that this agenda, as is, is stated in your Mind Polluters movie, it runs deep. We, mm -hmm. you know, our local school board has funds coming in from the Obamas, the Gates Foundation, the, the our governor, the Polis family, the NEA. These school board members were put there by powers much larger than those within our little Fort Collins community. And we're just a small pawn in their game. Um, and it's Have you, know, you had kind of a giant. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Have you have you had other parents contact you kind of in secret, not wanting to, uh, you know, say anything publicly for the fear of, you know, the backlash that you're getting? Have you had other moms, you know, approach you about the same thing happening to their child? Absolutely. I, I get five to 10 parents a day through my social media channels all over the country and in, in red states and conservative communities. I think people don't understand that I live in a very conservative town. It's about 9,000 people. It's a horse town. It's incredibly conservative and they targeted us because we're conservative. So it's, yeah, it's happening everywhere. And once we went public, four other families from that art club came forward who didn't wow. know. So their daughters went home and followed the rule and lied about what the club was. And the parents didn't know what was happening. One of those little girls around the same time my daughter was suicidal, December of 21, this little girl drank bleach, was rushed to the hospital, almost died. Her dad, her parents, specifically her dad, um, really internalized that guilt. Like, what did we do? Where did we miss the ball? She's written this note that she's transgender. Like, where did this come from? Why is she so depressed? Where did we go wrong as parents? And then when Alex Newman exposed our story May of 22, so an entire year after Art Club, this dad started to connect the dots and ask the right questions. And his daughter came clean and said, oh yeah, I was in that same club. I was influenced by that same teacher. She told me not to tell you about it. And, and so I wonder how many families are still out there who have not come forward to me, whose kids followed the rules, who are suffering in silence. I mean, I know of four just in that art club alone. It's so, it's so it, the, oh, this is so criminal. And, and this is, so the woman who taught the club, what does she do in your community? Again, she teaches the Skittles clubs and she's got, she's still, she's still an, she's still an active member. 
she's not just an active member. She attacks me about 10 times a day. She called me a bad parent, abusive. She says, my child, your child didn't come out to you. She, or didn't come to you. She came out to you and you rejected her. And she, she's constantly viciously attacking me, but she's an employee of our County health department with access to kids information. Oh yeah. And a substitute teacher in the district who has been known to approach kids unsolicited in elementary school with her information. Oh, wow. 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 Okay. So, so anyone, so listen, anyone (laughs) listening, a, if you haven't seen the mind polluters, um, please watch it and figure out you, it's a really, um, I would say it's easy to watch. Wouldn't you, Aaron? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Very. It's it's easy to watch, to be able to connect all the dots as to what's going on. But one of the interesting things that you said was they targeted your community and Mm -hmm. through the mind polluters, we, we show you how they're doing that through social emotional learning, because they are collecting all of the kids data on how they feel and what the home background is. So absolutely. When you say they targeted your community, Absolutely. They are going like one by one, just knocking off all of these Christian conservative areas to bring them into this agenda. This this gender ideology is so perverse. Oh, it's unbelievable. And getting them at the youngest ages. So I had a second yes. grader at the time when this or first grader at the time, he's a third grader now. And so in first grade, he told me about his social emotional learning class where the counselor came in and they had peace circles where they sat in a circle and they were told what we talk about in the circle stays in the circle. So they're starting this secretive agenda with my kid as young as six years old. And not mm-hmm. just that, I learned after the art club incident from other parents that my child had been assigned a book called Joy. George at the beginning of sixth grade. And this book that she read is entirely about a little boy who wants to be a girl. It talks about pornography, physically cutting off the little boy's penis with scissors, playing with himself in the bath, kissing other boys, wearing girls underwear. And I had no idea because I didn't open the book. It was called George and she was 11. And I didn't think Mm -hmm. anything of it. And now I understand that they had been planting subtle seeds through the curriculum long before she walked into that art club. And it takes, what, 14 times for a child to hear something before it becomes true to them. She had surely heard about transgenderism 14 times through her public school district. Mm -hmm. So she was right to be indoctrinated in the way she was. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to you said um, after the fact you through FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act, that you got emails from the district. Can you explain what was being discussed in those emails? Yeah. So two days after art club incident, when these people had attacked my child and put our family in their our most vulnerable moment that we'd ever been in, you know, uh, at their hands, they discussed calling CPS to our home. So the art teacher, the presenter and the principal, they talked about how I didn't have a right to know how parents who find out are barriers that have been removed by the school board already. They said the school board has been prepped on this situation. They're ready to support your school. And they said if we removed the child from the school, the presenter was told by the art teacher that we had removed her and they used her name and they were sharing her whereabouts. And the presenter said, if that persists, you'll want to talk to admin about doing a well child check on this family. And she gave an example of another child at the age of 13, who she had repeatedly called CPS on. And I actually found out this woman wrote a letter to our local library board bragging about calling CPS on over two dozen families. And she and her friends are registered foster parents. So it, 
it's all a system. She attacked my child, my she called word. in CPS, and she's right there to receive the children of these unaffirming parents. And I think in the state of Colorado, if CPS had shown up and my daughter had said, my parents aren't affirming my trans identity, they would have taken her. They absolutely would have taken her. And so the principal did the well child check on his own. And we didn't understand it at the time. He was insistent that we had a meeting in our home. He said, no, no, no. I want to come to you. I want to talk about this situation with you. We need to do it in your home. And I didn't understand at the time until I read these emails that that was a, a mandated reporter well child check. Hey, Warriors, I want to let you know about an exciting way you can help us share Christ and help protect children from perverse ideologies in Italy. Yes, I said Italy. By God's grace, our latest documentary film, The Mind Polluters, continues reaching people all over the world and is having a tremendous impact in educating and motivating communities to take action in protecting the innocence of children. An Italian dub of the film is needed to break through the language barrier to help our brothers and sisters in Christ make a significant impact in their communities. Learn more about this need and share your support at fearlessfeatures.org. So how how is your family today? And you know, where do you see where do you see yourself going? Yeah, I for about a year we dealt with this privately. We, you know, wanted to make sure our daughter was in a good place. And then as soon as she was, we actually let her watch What is a Woman, Matt Walsh's documentary. Yeah, I love that. And while we were watching it, she said, Mom, why didn't I understand this was happening to me while it was happening? I said, well, that's that's by design, honey. They preyed on you. You were vulnerable. They, they twisted things. They confused you intentionally. You know, they lied to you. And she said, how do I make sure this doesn't happen to other little girls? And she was genuinely concerned, like, I don't want other people to go through this. And I said, you're doing it right now. You're letting me share your story. And so mm-hmm. she is behind me 100 percent continuing to share this story with anyone who's willing to listen. Um, you know, we went we went viral on libs of t- TikTok and it's everywhere. And, and she. She gets all kinds of, you know, compliments from people that she's so brave for speaking up and it overwhelms her because she is Mm -hmm. such a shy, introverted girl. When someone calls her brave, it brings her to tears. Um, It's not a word she ever thought someone would use to describe her. And so we're we're in a so much better place. We our kids are out of public school. It's the best decision we ever made. And I sacrificed for that. And my advice to parents everywhere, my number one piece of advice is get your kids out of government schools not public schools are not public. They don't work for us. They work for the government, get them out. And I understand that means sacrifice. After this happened, I went to work nights and weekends at the liquor store in our little town, just so that I didn't have to give up my time with my two-year-old and and my seven-year-old that it it worked for our family, but so that I could make the money to afford private school. And we went down to one family as a car because we both work remotely now. Um, So it just, you know, we had to sacrifice and you either sacrifice now or you sacrifice later because this big major thing happened to us. Yes. And that's not going to happen to everyone, although it's way more common than people probably realize is happening. Well, and I I think that a lot of families are very quiet about it. They don't want to share. There's shame associated with what's happening because just what society has done has tried to shame people into telling the truth to children. I mean, you know, I get vilified. I mean, I'm called a bigot on a daily basis. I'm called mm-hmm. phobic of every kind on a daily basis. I get death threats. I've called in four sheriff's reports for death threats in my little town. Um, and I, 
I understand why parents are afraid to speak up and it's a sensitive topic involving your children. I mean, it, you know, most people are not inclined to air their, their children's laundry. I understand mm-hmm. that. That's why I continue to speak out and be a voice for those people. I get it. I've also learned that this mostly happens to middle-class white progressive families. And prior to this happening, we would have considered ourselves social progressives. That has definitely changed. But I think those people are afraid because it's such a polarizing, it's become such a polarizing political topic and it shouldn't be. And we've got to normalize talking about it. It will continue to be polarized until people like us continue to speak out and encourage others just to talk about it. Well, and I am really excited because um, you are working on um, making a documentary about your story. So how can people help support you? Can you why a documentary? Why why make a movie about your story? Yeah, well, I realized that, we you know, when this went public, there's only one kind of news outlet that's willing to talk about this subject. And it's conservative media. Um, And I appreciate them. I appreciate how they share our story, but I don't think it's reaching the majority of people. I think there are a lot of people watch mainstream media and they're fed, you know, one side of every story. And unfortunately, our, our kind of story is not being told. And so we really wanted to make something that can be free and widely available and shared with everyone that's really neutral and objective and includes expert testimony. We have um, Quentin Van Meter the American uh, uh, College of Pediatricians president. We have the Alliance Defending Freedom president, Mike Ferris. Alex Newman's going to be featured in the movie. And we just want to, to really tell the story objectively so that any parent anywhere can understand it and digest it and make the best educated decisions for their own family. Absolutely. And- bringing exposure to this issue over and over again. And we have a website at stopgenderideology.com um, that will hopefully be the future home of the film. And, and all of my information is there. Great. So so can people help support that project? Are Absolutely. you you're raise, currently raising funds for that? Yep. We're trying to raise $10,000 production costs. Um, I have a mm-hmm. gift set to go that's linked there at that stopgenderideology.com. Okay. Yep. And for all you guys listening, I'm going to make sure to leave all this information in the show notes so you can just click over and and help Erin and and what she's doing. I mean, this this is such a powerful story that needs to get out. And unfortunately, it's not it's not again, it's not an isolated incident. This is happening all over the country and people they need to know how to you know stand firm in their beliefs of truth. Um, how, what do you say to parents? How do you, well, and I had another question too. Uh, are you a part of a local church and how is your church receiving you and helping you in this journey? So we changed churches as a result of this. We were going to a one that was in, we were in a college town. So it was in college town. It was geared towards young people. And when we told our pastor what happened and he has four young daughters, he wasn't receptive. I mean, I'm sure he hurt his heart, but he never followed up to make sure our daughter was okay. He won't touch this subject with the 10 foot pole. And then a friend sent me a sermon from our local church here down the street. And the pastor, he used the words righteously motivatedly pissed. He was angry. He was, I mean, he talks about it every Every week, he's actually a football coach for that middle school, and he works with that teacher who had lied to him about teaching this kind of ideology. She had asked him as a faith leader what his thoughts were, and he said, don't do it. And she said, "Okay, I won't. And then when he learned she was doing it with these kids and lying about it and telling them there's something wrong with how God made them, he was 
pissed. Um, and so we, we met with him and we realized that was home and he's been incredibly supportive. Um, I actually had a meeting on Tuesday. I do a lot of speaking engagements here locally and we had 70 pastors registered. Just Praise the Lord. Right. Lo- just local here who just wanted to hear. And we had all three, three of the four families, including one of the little girls herself, 14 years old, who had been indoctrinated and trapped and confused into transgenderism. And she got up and gave her testimony of how she came through it and how she accepted Jesus. And she realized that there's nothing wrong with her. And it's just so encouraging. I think that the faith community has got to stand between the evil and our children. If they won't, we have no hope. And so to have 70 local pastors sign up and be interested in what we had to say is really, really encouraging. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, that, that just makes my heart sing, especially if they're going to go ahead and take it back to their communities and where they are and educate their congregation. I mean, cause that's, it really, we need strong pastors. We need the church to get involved. Well, parents don't know what they don't know. And I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of willful ignorance too. Unfortunately, there's, you know, I have Christian conservative moms in my neighborhood who don't believe what happened to me is real, even though I've, I've unloaded, you know, mountains of evidence that prove it. You can find these FOIA emails online. They talk all about what they did. Um, It's just willful ignorance because it's inconvenient truth. It's inconvenient to know what's actually happening and not just to put your kid on the bus and send them to the neighborhood school. But I think coming from their pastor, it will resonate more than it does from a stranger mom who they've never met before. It's it's got Mm -hmm. to come from someone they trust. Um, And so, again, I'm really, really hopeful about a shift happening in this community, because unfortunately, not a lot of people are willing to speak up here. We have about three people who go to the school board meeting every few weeks and no one else shows up to make the voice of parents heard. And so our school board continues to get away with what they're doing. They're totally unaccountable. And and I think this we're going to see a shift once the faith community wakes up. So one thing that I didn't touch on that what I have found through uh, all the public record requests that we've performed is that our our school district is doing much more than just inviting 12 year olds to a a deceitful art club. Um, They have made it official policy that at all ages, if a child expresses gender confusion, you don't tell the parents. And if the parents find out, you lie to them. I found emails um, from one of our elementary schools where they transitioned an eight year old the parents found out and objected. The assistant principal contacted our, our new administrative staff. So our district, since our art club, hired a chief equity officer, a diversity equity inclusion coordinator, an LGBTQIA plus coordinator who makes over $80,000, which is double a teacher salary, um, and a student services coordinator. So The principal contacts this cabinet and says, okay, the parents have found out I'm transitioning this eight-year-old. What do I do? And they say, well, you call the child one thing at school and call them another at home. And the principal said, but I'm really, I want to clarify this do not nature that the parents said with, with continuing this. And the administration comes back and says, this is our official direction. You call the kid one thing at school, you call them another at home. You do an individual gender support plan if you need to basically Screw the parents, lie to them, doesn't matter what they want. We're going to transition this eight-year-old and lie to them about it. Um, I found evidence of a fifth grade teacher who wasn't comfortable teaching the gender ideology portion of sex ed. And so they told her to re-educate herself. They brought in, hear me out on this, they brought in a shape-shifting transgender blood witch who Alex has also written an article about to re-educate this teacher. And she was untenured, so they told her, 
teach it or get out. And she ended up taking her sick days and will be resigning at the end of this year, um, just to entirely get out of public education. But um, this blood witch <laughs> was actually invited into my daughter's art club that day. Their name is Silent Wellington. They were invited in, luckily didn't come, but that's what prompted me to do some research on them. This Silent Wellington is a priestess of the reclaiming tradition, which is a non-binary priest. And the reclaiming tradition is a neo-political witchcraft religion. Um, and this person self-identifies as a genderqueer, shape-shifting, transgender. They write blogs about kink sex. They started a magazine about bleeding. They do rituals in their own blood. This person has been invited into every GSA club in our district. They were invited into my daughter's classroom that day, and they do professional development training for actual PD credit with our staff. One called the ABCs of LGBTQ that's also delivered to students which the district will not show me and one called how to be a trusted adult to lgbtq and it entirely promotes medicalization it talks about how if a kid is gender confused you must get them chest binders you must get them puberty blockers you must get them top surgery and medicalization or else they will kill themselves that's the entire training and at the end of it it actually gives instruction on how to get doctors to write gender affirming care letters for children um, and then it lists this splash and Skittles organization as a resource, the one that abused my daughter. So there are some not just not just art club, not just reading transgender books. There are actual actual occult behavior and Satanism and incredibly dark forces meeting with our children, training our teachers and being praised by the district. Um, and Alex Newman actually put out an Epic Times article all about this silent Wellington person, which features um, a local pastor. It has a brave nurse from the district who expresses how she was told that she can't tell a parent if a child is suicidal or cutting. So they're not just causing our children to be suicidal. They're then preventing parents from knowing about it if the school finds out first. So art club is but a blip on, you know, the, the radar yeah. of the Hooter School District where I live. There's so much darker, scarier behavior happening and it affects every kid in the district. So it's I found a lot of very, very scary things that our district wow. is doing. Yeah, it, well, it, and verse comes to mind our battle is not against flesh and blood <laughs> but against the rulers and the powers and the authorities of this dark world oh no i i sometimes you know my husband's like all right put on your tinfoil hat when you tell the story of silent wellington because it almost sounds too crazy to be true but it i've released all the evidence like i said alex has written an article on it um, yeah. and fox news picked up the story i mean it's it's been out there and of course i've been vilified for attacking this person when all i've done is just shown what they're doing i mean yeah just expose it you if you want to be a, a blood witch in your own time, that's great. But as soon as you bring it into the classroom and discuss these issues with children, it's an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's become a problem. Well, and and just just and just for a moment, think about how much outrage there would be if anyone suggested that the Bible be taught in school these days. Yeah. I mean, th they're teaching their Bible yeah. of their God of this ideology. Every day to our kids and there's no opposition. Yep. 
it's a religion. It's a cult. I think the Mm -hmm. the transgenderism is a cult that my daughter got trapped in. Um, Mm -hmm. But what our district has done is moved to. So all FCA's Fellowship of Christian Athletes are student sponsored clubs because they're religious in nature. They can't be a school sponsored club. But what our district has done is changed all of their GSA's, all 11 of them to be school sponsored. What that means is they are initiated, led, run by an adult and teachers have free reign to participate entirely in the club, whereas a student sponsored teachers monitor it, but the students have to lead it. Um, what our district has done is enabled teachers to be fully involved in the GSA clubs, invite in whoever they want, talk about their own sexuality, but it's a religion. <laughs> but yeah. to me, this is a religion. There should They shouldn't have the right to be school sponsored where teachers have free reign to do whatever they want because it is a religion. We all see that. Yeah. I mean, they can espouse anything they want to your kids. How do you even know? Well, especially if it's a confidential club with no record of attendance or materials, you don't know. And and I'll say that when we were going through this, we called the police. I called the sheriff when my daughter was recruited into art club because she was emotionally, mentally, sexually abused. And fortunately and unfortunately, because there was no physical touch or exposure of body parts that we know of. I mean, I, I can't confirm for certain there's no legal ramifications, you know, by the sheriff. But the reason I started talking out loud about it is because he told me to get loud. He said, Aaron, just because I can't prosecute this person for what they've done doesn't mean it isn't morally, ethically, spiritually wrong. You need to warn other parents that it's happening. They have Mm -hmm. a right to know. Um, So unfortunately, because it was a school sponsored clubs and, and the woman was there by invite, the police can't go after her for the abuse. So my number one, like I said, pull your kids out of government schools. There are alternatives everywhere. Homeschool, homeschool co-ops, private school. Like I said, I sacrificed to be able to pay for private school. And I would have I would have given my left arm to make sure that she could get into that school. I mean, it, it it's imperative that we make these sacrifices as parents, because if you don't sacrifice now, you will sacrifice later, even if it's just subtly how your child has been indoctrinated. Um, but the three pieces of advice I give everyone, and, and this is universal because parents are like, well, my kid is eight and I want to prepare them for this. But the whole point is I don't want to talk to them about it. I don't want this to be introduced to them yet. So how do we thwart it? And, and I always suggest you, number one, tell your kids that safe adults will never ask them to keep secrets. <laughs> that it doesn't matter what it is. I tell my kids, I don't care if they taught you your ABCs and told you to keep a secret. You tell me that means they're not safe. Um, Also teach your kids early and often that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. I didn't realize this was necessary. I mean, we tell our girl she's beautiful and she's smart and we affirmed all the wonderful things about her all the time, but never her biological sex. Now I understand that we as parents need to do that because this ideology has permeated every facet of our culture. It's, it's unavoidable, even if you get out of government schools. So teach your kids, there's nothing wrong with who they are and how God made them. They are perfect just the way they are. And then teach your kids. No one should ask them to label themselves. I tell my eight-year-old, you're just Max. No one should ask you to label yourself politically by your gender. None of it. You are just you. You are perfect the way you are. And if someone asks you to label yourself, do not accept it. Um, And I think those are things we can do with kids of all ages all the time to help them be prepared for when this comes at them, because it will. Amen. Yep. I, I, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a grandma at our local bank and she was telling me about having her grandkids over and they said the same thing to their grandma. They're like, but grandma, you don't understand. This is everywhere. 
like we we have we get it at school it's online it's on television our friends talk about it and that's the thing how how are friend circles now are your kids uh better um how how much how much do friends play a part in sort of this ideology happening to families huge influence. I mean, that this middle school where my daughter was, where this happened, it's been infected by these, by this ideology. And it's almost like the kids who don't go along with it are bullied. I've heard from a lot of parents who said, you know, there's furries at the school and they hiss at my kids. And especially if you're a white boy, you're vilified for being a cisgender white male oppressor. And it's, it's just become a contagion. Um, but with our daughter, we first of all realize internet access is the number one perpetuator of this ideology. And, and we admittedly had given her a cell phone, um, way too young. We we took that away. We took internet away. Um, you know, those video game chats like Discord are incredibly dangerous. And we cut off friendships. Just this little girl who she was communicating with through her school chat platform who was saying, you're a boy, you're a boy. That little girl comes from a rough home and we had kind of adopted her, you know, and, and let her, she had dinner with us and we we really wanted to be there for her. And I feel bad that we cut her off, but at the end of the day, I have to do what's best for my child. And that I saw how negative that influence was and cutting it off was pivotal in rescuing our daughter from this mentality. So friendships are huge. Internet's even bigger. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of times, um, especially, uh, you know, one of the school chats is one of the things that I often forget to remind people to look at. We we talk so much about social media and, you know, the YouTubes and everything else. But honestly, it's happening right in the school platform um, and just having to protect your family first so that you can help other families see the truth and 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 be that example. We, we've made a lot of hard decisions. And and when you're doing that, when your child's going through it and you're cutting off their networks, they're going to hate you. And it's incredibly hard. I mean, I'm already going through it with my child. I'm already heartbroken. It is a living nightmare to watch your child suffer with this kind of confusion and to feel helpless to do anything about it. And then to cut off her her video games and cut off her cell phone and her friendships. She, she hated me. I mean, she, I hate you. I can't believe you're doing this to me. And we had to explain that it's not your fault. We did this. We as parents allowed you to have these relationships, to have these outlets and we were wrong and we have to correct what we've done to protect you. And it is not your fault. Um, and that's hard for an 11 and 12 year old to hear, but it's absolutely necessary. If you don't cut these things off, it, it will be near impossible to pull them out of the trans confusion. Yeah. Well, and at least you're being vulnerable and honest enough with your kids so that they too, I, I mean, we always look at and say it's more caught than taught, right? Mm -hmm. If they see that you are asking, you know, forgiveness or changing direction and making sure that, because it's not that it, it's not, you love them enough to tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. And you love them enough to take these things away. It's not, we're not punishing you. It's yeah. not something that you did. It's something that we did. And I so appreciate the way that you, you said that because you're right. Kids at that age, they don't understand. And the, and then to make it worse, they see all of their friends with cell phones and they're wondering why is it so bad? Everybody else has it. Now I'm the only kid who doesn't because, you know, our kids, you know, we have a 13 year old. All of her friends have phones. <laughs> nope, ain't happening. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not going down that road. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I've made an effort to replace them with healthy things. Like, yes, we're taking these things away, but now my husband goes out with her once a week. They do date night. You know, they do daddy daughter date Absolutely. night. And they're, they're out, they're in person. They don't need a phone because they're at the arcade playing video games or they're at the movie theater or they're out having dinner. They're, we we want to replace these things that we've taken with healthy things that should have been there to begin with really. And that again, yeah. that's our fault. And we explain that like, we should have been doing this all along not just giving you a phone and relying on that to entertain you. This is on us. And, and I think she appreciates now all the things she's been introduced to, you know, new hobbies. We, we got her a, a bow and arrow and taught her how to shoot and tried to give her healthy outlets other than video games and cell phones and toxic friendships. Um, and that, that plays a big factor too, in, in replacing those, um, those things with healthy activities. Yeah. Having, having different priorities, understanding what's most important in life. And, you know, these formative years, we're not going to get back. And so spend as much time pouring into our children now and not, you know, passing it off onto the teachers and the educators in the school, which I think so many of us have done. And um, yeah, well done. Thank you. Good job. Good job. There's a lot we do differently in hindsight. I mean, that year, there's a lot that you know, I I wish I had done differently, but we learned a lot. And I'm I'm willing yeah. to be always be open and vulnerable and share what worked and, and what didn't work. And I maintain that the best thing you can do is be direct and talk yeah. about it. Well, and I think just being open and letting parents know that this is going to be a hard road. That's why I'm so glad that you have a pastor who's willing to speak truth. I mean, that's exactly what we need are more pastors who are going to be willing to tell people the truth so that they can go out and face these battles mm. in their communities. And the lies, the way they pose it to our children, I didn't even touch on this. I call it glitter bombing. I mean, the, mm. the way they explained all of these things to her, it wasn't factual. It was, this is so great. And being trans is amazing. We're all trans. We're going to be trans together. Everyone's on a, on a gender spectrum. And it, it just, of course, and we're your a, new family and we're your new family. Your parents won't understand. Your parents are probably not going to understand. So you don't have to tell them, but we're mm. here. We understand. And here's my cell phone number, little girl who I've never met. Give me a call when your family doesn't understand you. It just, it, it's glitter bombing. And of course it's, a, the lies are appealing to our children because they've packaged it with rainbows and sunshine and love. And, but it's doesn't change the fact that it's not true, that that mm. label they gave her did not fit her and would never fit her. So, wow. Well, Aaron, any last parting advice to parents or anything else you want to add to this conversation? Yeah, well, there, I will say that since I learned how to public record request, it has changed my life. And a lot of people don't know that that's a thing that our government institutions are beholden to answer to the public, their emails, their calendars, their funding, all of that is public record per FOIA or Freedom of Information Act. And every state has a different process for that. So I encourage all parents to visit um, Parents Defending Education is a great organization where they can expose incidents in their school. They can see where other parents have exposed or, or grandparents or community members have exposed incidents in their school district. So it's a great place to see what what other people have already found, but also to expose things that you find. And I implore everyone to take advantage of public record requests because that right, because what I found you, is abhorrent. I can't believe mm -hmm. the things they're doing and talking about behind closed doors. Right. And you don't have to have a child in the school to make these requests. Correct. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't even need to be a part of the community in most places. Um, you could you could live in Montana and do a record request in Colorado. So 
Um, it's open to everyone. They're government agencies. They are obligated to show what they're doing behind closed doors. Yep. And that so that's parents defending messages. education. Mm-hmm. Parents defending education. So defendinged.org is their okay. website. And we'll leave a link in the show notes. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I so appreciate you being, you know, just open to sharing your story and helping others, you know, navigate this ideology with their families because um, it's it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere anytime soon, especially with our current administration. So uh, we need to stay vigilant and protect our families and our kids. And by all means, know who your children are spending their day with and their time with when they're away from us. Thanks for all that you do. Again, Mind Polluters is is such a great comprehensive film to show all the key pieces that are going on in our schools. And it's like I said, it's happening everywhere. So thank you for what you do. Yeah, well, thank, it, it takes all of us. One body, many parts. We all have a job to do. <laughs> the God, God has given us each our own purpose. And so thank you for standing in your purpose. And we'll continue standing in ours. And together, Lord willing, we'll see what happens in the end. <laughs> Thanks, Amber. All right, thanks. Well, thank you guys for listening through to the end. Mark, final parting words, thoughts, comments, questions, concern. Okay, can we go back to the part about the witch? Whoa, crazy. Not only the witch, I mean, I think that's some of the, the key takeaways. So you guys, if you have, what were some of the takeaways and things that you thought were just crazy beyond belief? I mean, honestly, stop and think about it. The the poor kid who drank bleach. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. This is demonic. Right. So <clears throat> I would love for someone to justify bringing the witch. So without going into too much detail on the whole witch angle, because this is a whole different podcast series that... Maybe we'll start that one next. (laughs) We'll do at some point. Mm. I have to prepare myself mentally, spiritually to be able to even present some of the stuff. Some of the things that, that we have, that I particularly have researched as part of dysphoria are so dark, Mm -hmm. so twisted. And what you see, what you hear here in Aaron's story you you caught just a wisp of it. Oh yeah, right? the bringing the witch in as mm-hmm. part of this. You don't even know how deep this goes. And uh, let me just put it to you this way, and then we'll, we'll go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> exactly. Um, we've we've talked. To, we we did a couple stories about child protective services purposely targeting and basically kidnapping children mm-hmm. away from perfectly good parents, right? Mm-hmm. We're just going to rehome them. What we haven't talked about is nationwide how many children CPS has lost. lost. Oh yeah. Never to be seen again. Not they're in somebody else's home and you're not allowed to see them. No, they have disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now tie that to the witch. And I'm going to let you do the math on that. And we'll come back to it later on. Okay. Yeah. Because it will keep you up at night. Yeah. It is satanic. 
Thanks for listening through to the end. That's all the time we have for today. The Mind Polluters is now available at Salem Now for streaming rental or purchase. Visit the links below for more details. And again, if you'd like to help us with the final stages of production for our new movie, Dysphoria, you can share your support at fearlessfeatures.org forward slash give or text the word fearless to 80888. We cannot wait to see what the Lord has planned for this new movie. Have a wonderfully blessed day. We will talk to you again next Tuesday. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude.